Keeping an eye on COVID variants. It tends to be a younger population, so these are people who have traveled. Also a promising treatment from a local company. It acts as an effective shield against the progression to severe disease. YBC hasn't approved it for use here. The spike in rumors about abducted women. We have a long history here in Metro Vancouver of discounting reports of sexualized violence. What RCMP say about the real level of risk. And get ready for a deep freeze, the record cold that's sweeping across the province. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A major blast of Arctic air brought a surprise snowfall to some parts of Metro Vancouver this morning and flurries throughout the day. And with the cold air expected to stick around for much of the week, near record low temperatures are going to be dangerous for the homeless and other vulnerable people. Grace Key reports. Neighbors in Coquitlam's Westwood Plateau woke up to a blanket of snow. It was pretty localized, with about one or two centimeters hitting the Tri-Cities area, taking some people by surprise. No, I had no idea it's been a snow this morning. Sanding trucks hit the streets, focusing on problem spots, especially along the steep hills. There was a real problem on the hill. It was close going up and down. And that proved for some tricky driving conditions. This was a scene in Coquitlam along Old Dudney Trunk Road. We have major slippery conditions down here. But it's the homeless population that's of particular concern. Various shelter spaces have been reduced due to COVID safety protocols. Vancouver has seen about a 27% reduction in overall capacity. But the city of Vancouver has managed to keep the same amount of spaces as last year at its warming centers. 100 spaces spread across five centers are open this week and most accept couples, bikes, carts and pets. This year more than ever our extreme weather response um, spaces and warming centers are critical and they're really a life-saving um, initiative for people that are experiencing homelessness and, and don't have anywhere else to go. Extreme weather response beds are also being made available. Funded by the province, there are close to 100 in Vancouver. This is in addition to 282 temporary and 730 permanent shelter beds. The challenge hasn't been finding a physical location, but staffing. So that is the biggest challenge is uh, ensuring the staff are well trained and prepared and that the supports are in place before the shelters open. When you couple that up with our COVID space requirements, it's twice as much work to open up uh, half as many spaces. It's, uh, it's a bit frustrating, but we are getting there and we will get there. Firefighters with the District of North Vancouver are also putting together kits for the vulnerable population. They'll come in handy with Wednesday expected to be one of the chilliest nights ahead. Grace Key, Global News. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on the very random snow we mm. saw in Metro Vancouver today and if more is on the way, Christy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, so these were really isolated cells that rolled through the region. Here's a look at the cell over the Port Coquitlam sort of Tri-Cities area. You can see barely anything around it, but pretty intense when it did fall, and it was cold enough that they saw some accumulation, whereas in other areas, not quite as cold. Here's a look at the time-lapse from earlier today. As the cell rolled through the downtown Vancouver region, it was like a blizzard at one point, and then... All of a sudden, the sun came out. We were at about four degrees, so we didn't see much accumulation as that blizzard-like conditions rolled through the region, but we did see a rainbow in behind. Tonight, cold and clear. Yes, we could see wind chills down to minus 11 in Metro Vancouver, and when I come back, I'll show you when we could see snow once again. All right, thanks very much, Christy. 
Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry says the province is on track for easing COVID-19 restrictions. Her comment comes as we get the latest numbers for BC, which show we are trending in the right direction. We have 1,236 new cases, bringing BC's total to just under 71,000. Sadly, we've had an additional 13 deaths, which means 1,259 people have now died from complications of the virus. 234 people are in hospital, 69 in the ICU. 65,605 are considered recovered, leaving us with just under 4,000 active cases and 6,923 people in self-isolation. Let's bring in Keith Baldry for a closer look at the numbers. There's growing concern, Keith, around the variants. And while our overall numbers do seem to be going in the right direction, how far could those variants set us back? Uh, big ways, Sophie. You're right. Our numbers are going in the right direction. Our hospitalizations uh, continue to decline. The daily case numbers continue to decline. The long-term health, uh, long-term healthcare, uh, long-term care homes uh, outbreaks continue to decline. Our mortality rate is going down, but the variants are on the rise, and they're more contagious. They're more transmissible, and some of them are more dangerous than COVID-19. And now the new number today, we had 28 of them on Friday. We now have 40 total cases of the variants. 25 of them are the UK variant variety, 15 of those are in Fraser, 15 South African variants are 13 in Coastal, 2 in Fraser. One of the concerns with South Africa, we don't know how it got there. This number has now gone up significantly in a, literally just a few days. Dr. Bonnie Henry making the point today, we could be into a second pandemic if we're not careful. This is the proverbial game changer. It does change the game in some ways if it starts to take off and become dominant in the community. And I think all of us are dreading that. We've all been through this and, uh, you know, it's been over a year that we've been doing this. And it really takes us back to some of the things, the ways we were trying to manage the pandemic in January and February of last year. So the two other uh, variants to be worried about as well, Sophie, the L452R uh, variant, which came out of De uh, Denmark, is now very uh, rampant in California. And California, of course, is part of our supply chain with commercial truck traffic. The other one is the Brazilian vi variant, which may be the most dangerous one of all. One case was located in Toronto over the weekend. Hopefully that none of that uh, gets to BC. But again, we've got a whole new problem on our horizon if we can't get the variants under control. Right now, not a lot to be worried about. Only three active cases of people are in there incubation period, but clearly we're going to be keeping a close watch on these variant numbers in the days ahead to ensure restrictions can be eased rather than become heavier, which Dr. Henry says is a distinct possibility. All right, thanks for that, Keith. So what about treatment? Well, the B.C. government is under fire for not using a COVID-19 drug that's been approved for emergency use by Health Canada. The drug is even designed by a Vancouver company. Richard Zussman looks into why our own provincial health officer says the drug is not ready for widespread use yet. Developed in British Columbia, a possible treatment for COVID-19. The clinical studies have shown that it acts as an effective shield against the progression to severe disease, a shield against hospitalization, and most recently, with some very new data, an effective shield against death from COVID-19. This is bamlanivimab, the hard-to-pronounce treatment with easy-to-understand results. It was given emergency approval by Health Canada in November. It's engineered by Vancouver-based Abcelera and made by pharmaceutical giant Eli Lilly. The drug, based on its early clinical trials, has reduced hospitalizations in COVID patients by 70%. 
It reduces the risk of contracting COVID by up to 80% in nursing homes and has been used on more than 125,000 patients in the U.S. It shows that this is a therapy that in high-risk patients can save lives. Uh, that is a message that we want to get across. But what has been created here can't be used here. British Columbia has turned down the application for use for the treatment designed for mild to moderate COVID-19 in high-risk patients. The reason? Worries about its effectiveness. The trials were not 100% and it really only worked best when it was in combination with an another antiviral. So I'm leaving it to the clinical experts to put together the trial that needs to answer that question. More trials are on the way. Abcelera donating $1 million to support a clinical trial in Surrey, set to start later this month and into March. And look forward to more data on this and other therapies uh, to combat COVID-19. The drug is administered by IV and in some cases takes hours. Another reason the province wants more data. It's going to add to the literature of what we know about who it works best in, and that will uh, make sure that we know how to use it properly going forward. For now, thousands of doses remain sitting in Canadian refrigerators ready to be used. The company says it can help save lives when given the green light. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Well, last week's cancellation of the 2021 cruise ship season doesn't just have downtown Vancouver reeling. It's sending shockwaves through the city of Victoria. Kylie Stanton tells us what's compounding the concerns for local businesses and what we can do to soften the blow. No lineups, no waits. The lunch rush down at Fisherman's Wharf has taken on a new meaning. Yes. Unfortunately, Puerto Vallarta Amigos is one of the few businesses here still making a go of it. But with Transport Canada's recent decision to extend the suspension of cruising until this time next year, the future is hanging in the balance once again, adding to the pain the ongoing closure of the Canada-US border to tourists. The past is gone forever, okay? <laughs> forever. Never is going to be the same. Thank you. 300 cruise ship calls were anticipated this year, beginning in May through to the end of October. The more than 700,000 passengers coming into port in that time would usually flood Victoria's Inner Harbour and its businesses. But if 2020 was grim, this year is shaping up to be even worse. It's the uncertainty of it that really uh, brings things to bear at this point. So I, I am confident that many will be able to make it through this. Uh, realistically, of course, some will not. The cruise industry employs 800 people in the region, either directly or indirectly, and brings in more than $130 million per year. While many small businesses are leaning on wage and rent subsidies, larger companies that don't qualify are on the brink. Our sightseeing operation is completely shut down at the present time. Our intercity operation, as mentioned, is set to shut down, including our BC Ferry Connector, which is Victoria to Vancouver. Overall, it's been a horrific uh, 12 months. And in the next 12, the Greater Victoria Harbour Authority says all Victorians are going to see the impact of these losses. The landscaping and beautification projects, like the Welcome to Victoria sign, usually paid for with funds generated by the cruise ship industry, are currently on hold. It's something we don't want to do, but we have to do in these challenging times because with the loss of crews, we've lost over 70% of our revenue. Until it returns in 2022, there's really only one solution. Victorians need to do their part to stay local and buy local. You're lucky that we are here. We bring the food from Puerto Vallarta to you. So don't miss it. Kali <laughs> Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Hard to say no to that. 
Social media posts stoking fears of violence against women. The RCMP say there's no evidence of random abduction attempts, but some say the concerns shouldn't be so easily dismissed. That's next on the News Hour. Just go with another one. Like it's that easy, Kronk. <laughs> the ad, well, it is for him, apparently. The ads you missed during the big game in a special edition of Super Bowl Satellite Debris coming up. And a major endorsement for Bitcoin from Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk. What he says about it later. Right now, though, a shocking story. A woman being abducted by a man in a white van that spread all over the United States is now spreading through our province thanks to social media. Police will tell you there is absolutely no evidence that this is truth. But those who work with women who have suffered violence say it's time to open up the conversation about why this is happening. Sarah McDonald explains. If you are a woman in British Columbia, I need you to listen to this very closely. As any woman of any age will tell you, the fear of becoming a statistic like this... Up to five women have all gone missing. ...is deeply ingrained and very real. But RCMP say some of the facts being widely shared in alarming videos circulating on social media platforms are not. It's either traffickers in the area or a serial killer. And you've likely heard the warnings before. A mysterious white van being used to abduct young women. With similar stories recently also going viral and causing panic in major American cities. It's all over Facebook um, and um, that's something that um, our police officers are aware of. Now Coquitlam RCMP are urging the public not to give credence to conjecture and unproven connections between several high-profile missing persons cases in the Lower Mainland. The hard part here is that when a person can say, well, I've done my part and just pressed a button to make sure other people see it, that might cause more problems long term. This was a really important opportunity for them to draw attention to just how endemic and how much of an epidemic sexualized violence is. That's why women's safety advocates like Angela Marie McDougall say, especially in B.C., which has a sordid history when it comes to urgency and missing and murdered women. The police tasked with protecting the public cannot afford to be dismissive. There has been, a, a, unfortunately, a, a very serious discounting of disappearances of women, particularly Indigenous women. A sentiment shared by the creator of those viral videos. This is the problem with the RCMP calling real women's lived experiences rumors. The detachment that first sounded the alarm on the online rumor mill not talking on camera on Monday, though acknowledging in a written statement its language in going public in a time-sensitive situation has provoked anger, insisting that impact was not the intent. Sarah McDonald, Global News. A UBC graduate imprisoned in Saudi Arabia for women's rights activism could be freed within days. Lujain Al-Hathlul's sister sent a tweet today, which translated from Arabic, says, As per the judge's decision, Lujain is due to be released this Thursday. The 31-year-old led the charge to allow women to drive in Saudi Arabia. Lujain has been in detention since her arrest for driving back in 2018, just weeks before the kingdom changed its rules. When she was sentenced last December to six years in a Saudi prison, the UN said early release was possible. There were also reports the Saudi court had structured the prison sentence so that Lujain could be released on conditions within months. Just ahead, testimony about dirty money at BC casinos. It was reasonable to suspect it was coming in, and so we had an obligation to stop it. What a former investigator says about his role trying to stop money laundering. 
Also coming up, a local music festival reaches dazzling new heights on top of BC Place Stadium. Traffic is steady over here in both directions at the Alex Fraser Ridge, but do keep in mind there are lane closures for overnight maintenance between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Connect Hearing has strict safety protocols in place. Take your first steps towards better hearing. Book a free appointment with Canada's number one physician-referred hearing healthcare provider today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Ridge. The Delta Police Board has sent a memo to its own officers trying to explain the hiring of a crisis communications agency. Global News revealed the force spent $42,000 on an outside firm. It was an attempt at damage control after the police chief's wife was accused of spraying a woman with her garden hose. Catherine Urquhart tells us how they're trying to justify it by tying it to a high-profile police killing in the United States. This morning, members of the Delta Police Department received a memorandum about that $42,000 of taxpayer money being spent on crisis management. Officers were told, in part, the department engaged external consultants to assist with a communication strategy during a period when there was widespread distrust of police as a result of the George Floyd situation, mounting allegations of systemic bias within policing and public demand for defunding the police. Members of the rank and file have told Global News they're not happy with the memorandum or the fact that it references George Floyd. That's because the $42,000 was spent amid Chief DuBord's wife Lorraine being investigated, the result of allegedly hosing down Surrey resident Kieran Sadu. Today, we also received a statement from former deputy chief in Delta, Norm Lipinski. He told Global News, While serving as the deputy chief of the Delta Police Department, I secured an external communications firm to assist in the matter surrounding Chief DuBord. This was done to ensure that the public was aware that all necessary steps were being taken to address this matter in an appropriate and transparent manner. This course of action was taken with the full knowledge, support and consent of the Delta Police Board. Delta officers say that until now they've never been told why a PR firm was hired and they have not received any special training as a result. At Delta Council today, Mayor George Harvey also brought up the need for changes to the Police Act. The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner continues to investigate how the entire matter was handled by Delta Police. There's a major shakeup at the Surrey Police Board. Global News has learned Bob Rolls has resigned from the board. The nine-member board was established last year as part of Surrey's controversial transition to a municipal police force and held its first meeting back in August. Rolls, a former Vancouver police officer, was Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum's first appointment to the board and has been involved with the policing transition plan from the beginning. A spokesperson for the board says Rolls is moving to Vancouver Island and will remain on the board until March 1st. City Council will now have to select a new appointee. Another former head of BC's gaming regulator was in front of the Cullen Commission on money laundering today. Doug Scott testified that while he felt his team did not need proof to stop what they believe were the proceeds of crime moving through BC casinos, the slow-moving nature of the process meant that action couldn't always be taken in time. John Hua reports. 
It's an argument heard many times before. There was no way to stop suspicious cash from entering BC casinos. Without proof, it was the proceeds of crime. The perception of money laundering is just as bad as, as money laundering. Doug Scott, the assistant deputy minister of BC's gaming regulator from 2011 to 2013, told the Cullen Commission he didn't buy in to that argument. It was a distraction. It was not relevant whether we could prove it or not. We had, in my view, evidence. It was reasonable to suspect it was coming in, and so we had an obligation to stop it. Scott said the best way to do that, ask high rollers bringing in bags of suspicious cash, where the money came from. They can't, they can't satisfy us that the cash came from a legitimate source, that we just re refuse it. A simple-sounding solution that became one part of a lengthy, multi-phase government strategy that was never completed during Scott's tenure. Yes, this is a multi-billion dollar industry that's built on a certain policy, and we were, we were trying to change that policy. Other options like mandating cash alternatives or placing a cap on suspicious funds were much too blunt for what Scott called a balanced public policy approach. Was GPEB's response to this issue tempered by concerns about potential impact on revenue? Well, uh, the short answer is yes. The amount of suspicious cash coming into casinos and concerns from his own investigators would continue to rise. Scott's message to the province, there's a strategy in place. I thought that that's where we were. I thought we were on the trajectory that we do have this and it's under control. Scott told the commission he believed government always understood that proceeds of crime may be entering BC casinos but insists he was never pressured to not take action because of revenue. There was a sense that, uh, you know, you had to have your case. You had to have your case for it. But whether it was asserting the authority of the gaming regulator over the BC Lottery Corporation or interviewing gamblers about the source of their shady cash, Scott never made the case for a ministerial directive. The challenge would be um, to... Um, to be persuasive enough to say that this was necessary. His successor would take a different approach. John Mazur testified earlier he asked then-Finance Minister Michael de Jong for a directive to source suspicious cash before it was accepted by casinos. Direction now that we don't want to take this money in unless, unless we're sure. That request for a ministerial directive was denied. John Hua, Global News. Still to come, the United States waits on a new wave of infections. Physical distance was non-existent after the big game, and that has health officials deeply concerned. And a local company has come up with a better use for all those face masks we're throwing away. Are you okay? I am now. Okay. I w wait a minute. My pen is somewhere. Uh oh. Oh no. I don't have my talking Special stick. This pen. could be ugly. Okay, I'll do my best. For you. Ready? Yep. Uh, one good thing for the Canucks this year is actually they have stayed pretty healthy until now. Uh, Saturday night, Tyler Mott took a bad fall in front of the bench. He's been put on injured reserve, which means a few weeks at least. Looks like lower body. I'm going to guess maybe an ankle or a lower leg. Whatever the case, he wasn't in that. Final game against the Leafs on this three-game stop in Toronto. And this was the best game for the Canucks. They were great defensively through the first two periods. The problem is they didn't score enough goals to take advantage of that strong defense. And then in the third period, Toronto woke up. All right. Brayden Holt be back in. Didn't have to glare at anybody tonight. That's a plus. First goal of the game. 
it's basically a lucky bounce here for the Leafs right to Morgan Riley, and he scores. The kid from here scores. Look at this. This hits the visor of Nils Hoaglander, but the visor pushes in on his face. And now it looks like a Quentin Tarantino hockey movie. But he would be okay. He would come back. I like that kid. He's tough. He doesn't stop working hard. Good chance here. Josh Bailey could not beat Frederick Anderson. One more look. Pearson across. Bailey the shot. Anderson the save. There's Hoaglander. He's back. Okay. Not as good looking as he was before the game, but he is back. And here's a chance. As I said, this kid just keeps working, keeps moving his feet. Anderson makes the save there, keeping it 1-0. Finally on a Canucks power play. Alex Kerfoot couldn't clear it. And eventually it gets to Elias Pettersson. And there's his trademark. The snap and the goal, and it's 1-1. So that was after two periods. In the third, the Leafs wake up, as I said. Austin Matthews finds a spot in the slot, one-timer, 2-1. And if that's not bad enough, this is 11 seconds later. After Matthews makes it 2-1, a harassed Quinn Hughes gives up the puck, and Kerfoot scores, the son of the Whitecaps owner. 3-1 is the final, so not till Thursday will the Canucks play, but they'll do it at home against Calgary. Jajar Kara. And Austin Watson going at it. A couple of 16s. It's Senators, it's Oilers, it's Ottawa. Evgeny Dodonov. And a backhand and a goal. And it's 1-0 for Ottawa as he beats Mike Smith. But you don't let Leon Dreisaitl stand by himself and give him the puck. 1-1. And then in the third period, Tyler Ennis with a nice little goal here. And this would make it 2-1. And the Oilers would add one more, 3-1 the final for Edmonton over Ottawa. Well, there should be no more doubt, if there were any doubters left, about Tom Brady's exalted place atop quarterback mountain. Seven Super Bowl wins over three decades with two different teams and two of those wins when he was in his 40s. And he's not thinking of retiring just yet. But Brady was helped yesterday by the Buccaneers' defense that made Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes' afternoon absolutely miserable. I haven't seen that much running for one's life since Jumanji. And that was Tampa's plan all along. And we knew the offensive line was going to have a tough time blocking all of us, so everybody just go out there and uh, find a way to get to the quarterback and make sure Mahomes couldn't get out to his right, forcing him into his left, making tough throws, whether he's on one foot or on the ground uh, where he couldn't throw the football. So that was our ultimate goal, and they, we had a strong feeling they weren't even going to try and run the ball on us, which they didn't do majority of the game. We let a couple out, but that was kind of late in the game when we were trying to just uh, pin our ears back and get after the quarterback. It's been a pretty good start at the Australian Open for Canadians, although Denis Shapovalov had a rough go of it today against Yannick Sinner of Italy, who's one of the uh, good young and up-and-coming players. Shapovalov was up 2-1 in sets. Then Sinner tied it 2-2. We're at 4-3 Shapovalov in the fifth and deciding set. Shapo wearing the baby blues and looking good in them, especially in the fifth and final set. This almost took four hours to play. He moves on, as I said, all the Canadians so far in good shape. Uh, Pospisil is playing tonight. There you go.
All right, thanks, Squire. All right, here's Jay Duran now, the preview of Global News at 11, Jay. Thank you, Chris. We're tracking the extreme cold, and we'll bring you the very latest on the Arctic air weather warnings. Plus, we'll introduce you to 2021's 10 least wanted Valentines, courtesy of Metro Vancouver Crime Stoppers, and a tentative truce in the fight between a retail giant and its landlord, what the Hudson's Bay and Penticton agreed to do after being threatened with eviction before Christmas. Those stories coming up tonight at 11. Sophie, Chris. Special Monday edition of Satellite Debris for the Super Bowl. Those ads you probably missed. Stay with us. Minus 30. <laughs> Bundle up. That's not okay, uh, if you were watching the Super Bowl like I was, you probably saw lots of commercials Quest, for Quest Trade. All Quest Trade and Skip the Dishes. Skip the dishes. And John Ham. Yeah. A lot of John Ham. And if he got paid by the commercial, that guy wouldn't have to work anymore. <laughs> but there was oh. a whole other group. There was. In the States, you saw different stars uh, in commercials, including the two quarterbacks from yesterday's game, Brady and uh, Patrick Mahomes. We'll start with Brady, then Mahomes, and then all the rest. Here we go. Bronk. What up, TB? What do you think my next move should be? Give it to me straight. Maybe it's just time I hang him up. I got one word for you. Retirement. If you retire now, you're going to be walking on soft sand in a week. Just come to Florida and feel the wind in your hair. Retirement is like winning another one. Maybe I'll even join you. On a spotty network, this is what Tom heard. If you retire now, you're soft and weak. Just come to Florida and win another one. Maybe I'll even join you. Just go win another one. Like it's that easy, Kronk. Maybe it is. I still feel like I have a lot to accomplish. My goal is to win one more. And Gronk's coming with me. I'm retired from retiring? Mom, where are my football pants? Don't trust big decisions to just any network. Go with T-Mobile, the go in 5G. And I'm not soft or weak either. T-Mobile is the leader in 5G. Hey, Ratchets, look, I'm you. <laughs> Jake from State Farm. You couldn't find a standard that looked anything like me? Have you seen mine? It's like looking in a mirror, right? Now that one makes sense. Look, guys, I don't even have a stand-in. Of course you do. Hold on, is that Drake? That's right. Drake from State Farm. Like, like a, a good, good neighbor. neighbor. Like, like a, a good neighbor. neighbor. Stand-ins don't have lines. Oh, okay. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Lately, I just I haven't been feeling quite like myself. Life used to feel fuller. I want to Matthew? break free. Matthew? Some days are harder than others. I want to break free. It's like I used to be on solid ground. Please welcome Matthew McConaughey. Did you drive here or did you travel by fax? I want to break free. There's got to be a way to get back. I want to break free. This time I'm done. 
Doritos, now in 3D. Can we even afford this house? I'm pretty sure we can. Pretty sure? With Rocket Mortgage, you can be certain. Not pretty sure. What's the difference? Let me show you. I'm pretty sure these aren't poisonous. Well, pretty sure these are parachutes. Mine has a sandwich. That's mine. Pretty sure you do not run. I'm pretty sure you can take Batista down. You're on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is trending. I'm pretty sure these hornets aren't the murdering type. I'm pretty sure we can make it. Let's go with certain. Good choice. When you're buying a home, pretty sure isn't sure enough. When you need to be certain about how much home you can afford, Rocket can. Hi, neighbor. I'll hold the dog. Not again! That's good. Hilarious. And see, I showed all Super Bowl commercials, and John Hamm didn't make an appearance once. <laughs> what I, for one, am thankful yeah. for that. Thank you. I mean, Quest Trade just really needs to vary it up a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And skip. That was constant. All right, uh, Christy, wow. Well, you got a lot to talk about this week, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's nice to have a little bit of something to talk about. And if you're hoping for snow, we do have another chance to snow on Wednesday morning. That's the key, so I really want you to tune back in tomorrow. Tomorrow, all you have to worry about is the cold. So pull in the pets. Pull out the parkas and get the kids bundled up because they'll need the extra layers this week, that's for sure, especially on Thursday. That will be the coldest day with the potential for record-breaking lows. Thanks for the reminder about the hoses, too. I need to yeah. do that probably tonight before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. I've got a task. And don't forget to put out some salt, maybe. Yeah, mm -hmm. excellent point. All right, thanks very much, everybody. Have a great night. Good night, all.